0: Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. It's always great for more parents to hear these stories and get the information. All right, thank you, and on with the show. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Our Kindling helpline today is a Christmas special. Given many families will take to the skies these holidays to visit families near and far, we thought it would be good to do a special interview with mother craft nurse Chris Minogue on taking babies and toddlers on plane trips. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I need to start by saying that you have done... A lot of flights. A civilian. lot
1: of travelling with families and with my own family with children under the age of three. So wow. Okay. Lots, as early as two weeks from the
0: States. Right. Now, you say there are some ages that are better for travel for children. What are Absolutely. they?
1: So the best ages and stages is before um, they can walk. So before about 14 months. Um, They're very social from six months to 10 months. So that's a really good stage. They're amused by the people around them, but they don't need to move very far. So that's probably the easiest because the parents are feeling like they understand where the baby's at in their rhythm and their day. So it's an easy transition. Um, And then the next stage is, of course, after two, when they actually have that concentrated um, ability to sit. And that's a really, really important part of this. Right. <laughs> I was trying to think Sitting. of what my
0: two-year-old, when they were two, whether they were But good when at...
1: they're two, you can do bribery and corruption.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you've got that up your sleeve. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're, when, when you're traveling mm-hmm. and you're um, taking a two-year-old who can yeah. sit, you recommend that you don't say well, under twos, people think, I'm going to put them on my lap. That's right.
1: And I think the important thing is that that tricky age between when they are mobile, so say 14 months to two, it's difficult for everybody. So it's not just difficult for the people around us, difficult for the parents who are very aware of the people around them. But it's also very difficult for the child in themselves because they often won't give you that extended leg room, that bassinet room, because there's a baby in the bassinet room, whether it's a short haul or a long haul. So I say to the parents, take the average 16 month old, sit them on your lap for 20 minutes and multiply that by the time you're on a plane, then try and get someone to feed you or feed them. So it's really difficult because you can get away with them sitting on your lap, but actually if you had to do a trip in that time frame, my recommendation is you actually buy the seat And you put their car seat on it because there's one thing that toddlers know is to sit in a car seat, and. Most airlines will attach it to the seat for you. I always pick the window seat because they've got something to look at. And they'll often go to sleep in their car seat. But it actually give you, gives you an area to restrain them. So I think you have to oh, look... That was my next, was my next question. So you, you buckle them in. Yeah, I buckle them in. Yeah, yeah. And they will. They need to be buckled in. So they'll buckle the seat in, a bit like going in the car seat. Mm-hmm. And, and then you buckle them into their car seat. And they already know that. So they, f- they themselves feel more comfortable. And if you put them near the window... They they sort of can't see what the people are doing on the other side, so <laughs> sort of slows them down a little bit. But that's the only thing, uh, you know, you really, especially when you go long haul. So you're going to England in child's 18 months, you really need to have your wits about you if you think they're going to sit on your knee in the middle of economy or,
0: oh, you know,
1: wherever. that sounds wherever. awful. And even in business class where you feel you've got more room around you, it's just more space for them to go to. You know. Okay.
0: So if you are doing a long-haul trip with a, a child of that age, and let's yeah. say you have got the seat, how do you do you actually plan the time oh, yeah. on – how do you plan it? How do
1: you plan it? Yes, so on sir. a short-haul trip, so let's say places that are familiar like Fiji, like you're going on the family holiday to Fiji, or Cairns, which is two and a half or three hours away. On that, mainly you can absorb it into the day. But the easiest way to think about it is – is whatever time you arrive in the destination, you need to pick up the day in the child's rhythm at that point. So if you arrive in Fiji at four o'clock in the afternoon, even if it's been a five and a half hour flight and there's a two hour time difference, you need to put the child into four o'clock in the afternoon and push them through to their normal night routine to give them the best possible chance to fall into the timeline. And that's why I always say it's actually harder to go to Fiji than it is to go to England.
0: Yeah, what happens if you go somewhere? Well, you've
1: got more time to push that time frame across. So my biggest um, hint for anybody travelling or thinking of travelling to Europe is to go on the night flights that leave at 9.30 or 9.45 or 9.15 because usually they're going off into the Middle East and it's a good 14, 15 hours, but you've got all that time to create a proper night and then you arrive in the Middle East and it's in the morning. So it's an easier transition for the child to go from from a night sleeping to a day, which will be your second flight. Lots of people will think that stopovers are a really good idea. They aren't on the way over. On the way over, you're better off going straight through. On the way back, it's it's really helpful if you can do a stopover because it breaks the jet lag because the jet lag is more severe coming back than it is going out.
0: And what you also, if you're going somewhere with a small child, do you have yes. to think about how long you're going to spend there if it is one of those places yeah. where you get jet lag?
1: So, if you look at children, say, under the age of two, who are very aware of their surroundings. So probably older than six months and younger than two, um, they're very aware of their surroundings. And if you're constantly changing their environment, they will just become more and more unsettled. So I usually go with the idea that you need to stay put for somewhere around five to seven days before you make a move and a transition. So you're better off thinking, where do I want to center myself so that people can come to me? Um, And that this little baby or this little child it's not on holidays it's just moved house so if you're constantly moving them they'll just become more and more unsettled
0: yeah that's a really interesting point because sometimes yeah. you go somewhere and you go oh we've got to see everything but actually, yeah, but for actually a trial, they don't
1: they don't you know, they'd be like oh, stop yeah. it's too much i usually call it one travel day in 3 so for every 3 days you're somewhere you could have one day where you go outside scene and the rhythm and the routine gets a little bit lost in the day
0: but that's one in three. And you talk about um, managing ac- expectations oh, of yeah. travel and holidays. What have you found with parents? Is it that we people haven't changed their yeah, they, perception? I
1: think the two things I find with parents um, before they've left and they've asked me to come and help them with planning the trip is um, the perception of time for the child, like how long they're on the plane for and where the child's at in, in that sequence. And the, the other one is that they are more worried about everybody else on the plane. So they overcompensate the child and then the child becomes more chaotic. So for instance, if your child normally cries for five minutes and you can give them a cuddle for five minutes, but they generally go off to sleep and you can pop them in the bassinet or cuddle them to sleep. On a plane, five minutes feels like five hours because people are you know, so close to you. But in actual fact, five minutes crying and three hours of sleep is better than no sleep and constant crying, so sometimes you just have to go. Do you know what? This will just be five minutes, and then my baby will be asleep, and that's better in the long term. The other trick is if they're completely lost it for whatever reason, it's all gone pear shape, turbulence, delays, whatever it is, and they're overtired. Wrap them in a wrap. So I always take a baby wrap with me. Wrap them nice and tightly. If you can go to the darkest part of the plane and stand there and rock for ten minutes, and then they'll usually go off to sleep, and then you can recover.
0: You can recover and get it back again. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. This is a special Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue, who has done a ton of travelling <laughs> with little people. Bless her soul. Someone's <laughs> got to do it. And we were just talking about ways that you can prepare for your um, flights overseas or wherever you might be going with small babies or yeah. toddlers. So we've talked about how to manage children when you're sort of on your way there and when you you get off the plane and you yeah. go on as usual. But as you mentioned there are some countries where the jet lag will be worse than others. Oh, absolutely. How do you manage their days based on that? Okay,
1: so my big hints for when you've arrived, how do you get yourself, you know, back in the right time frame, is that every day you have to manage as if you're at home. So if your child takes two sleeps in the day of two hours, then in the first couple of days of arriving, you need to put them back into that sort of time frame. The other hint is the more sunlight they get in the first day or two, um reduces the jet lag and the more that you put them to bed in the same time frames without letting them oversleep the better they do as well so if you keep that in mind if you're hitting the ground and then taking off to every sightseeing it could implode on you but if you take a few days and just bring it back to the norm then I think you'll have the holiday that you're, that you're dreaming of
0: <laughs> Well on that optimistic note I'm going to wrap up there's, I'm sure there's many more questions people have Chris thank you so much for your time today It's a pleasure That's Chris Minogue our Mothercraft nurse who comes on every week although Chris is now taking a break. She will be back on Monday the 15th of January 2018.
1: Hi, we're the Beanies. Get your child off screens and into their imagination as we explore how bubbles are made. What's in a sneeze? Achoo! And what's with the weather today? Professor Know-It-All knows. Hello, Beanies. Hello, the Beanies. A podcast just for kids. Subscribe now on iTunes or listen anytime on the Kindling app.